0: Let me begin this morning by using that word, beginners. Uh, I have been, over the last couple months, I've been reading a couple of books on the sayings of the Desert Fathers, and you that have been keeping with our Wednesday night Bible studies know that we've been studying the seven deadly sins, and they, they have an origin in that era and that time period, and so I've been doing a lot of reading in there to understand it. One of my favorite ones that I've read, and I'll just read it as it's stated in the, in the, in the recordings of the sayings, Abba Moses asked Abba Silvanus, can a man lay a new foundation every day? The old man said, if he works hard, he can lay a new foundation every moment. And I tell you what, now that's that's what we're after. And that's what we have to realize. You know, we've said this a number of times, that we're going to have to come to the, kind of come to some terms of truth, that this is a battle. We have been brought into warfare, and we're not passive about it. You're not here today because you're a passive believer. You're here today because there's something in you that says, I want to uh, have more, do more, and, and, and be more. Be more being key for the Lord Jesus Christ. So yesterday I gave you this theme for the day of singularity, and I'm having one focus, singularity of heart, that our desire and our effort should be toward this one thing. And I think it's fitting to recall that this morning as we come together again because we need to again remind ourselves that we are beginners and that we're looking for more of God. We're desiring to experience His love and His life in its fullness. And I think about the the words of the Apostle Paul because again, here's a man who by the time he writes the letter of Philippians, he's been serving the Lord for quite a while and he's been doing great things for God God's, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ is truly Lord of his life and, and the focus of his life. And yet he says in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and, I, and, and we do this every day, right? We sometimes have to do this in the middle of the day. But forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so Paul said, I'm a beginner too. And that's what we come to do today. And I want us to pray uh, now and bring our collective hearts. We've been praying individually, but let's bring our hearts collectively together into focus this morning. And um, we're going to continue to consider the, the, the prayer life of Jesus this morning a little bit So I felt compelled, I couldn't get away from this I know I'm bordering on, the, on the, uh, the, 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 the path or the line of coming completely liturgical in this conference But I just couldn't get away from the thought of that prayer Jesus taught us In, in Luke 11 and in Matthew 6 And if it's alright with you, I'd just like to use that this morning As a way to go to the Lord in prayer Amen. Our Father who art in heaven Forever and ever. Amen. So much truth in that prayer. Doesn't take long to quote the words Jesus gave, but there's power in that. If he gave it, then it must be good. Well, this morning, I want to speak to you just a few minutes before we get ready for session one on another spiritual practice that will greatly help you in this cultivating a life of holiness. And I think as you're looking at this idea initially, we get the idea, well, I'm I'm doing that or I'm practicing that. But I want to challenge you to really think about your your practice. The word is solitude. We're talking about solitude this morning. And by solitude, I am simply speaking of the practice of setting aside time and space to be alone with God. Now, I'm going to really dig into it as much as I can in about eight minutes, but I want to say, we, we have people will generally say, I have my quiet time, or I have my devotion time. And though that's good, but I'm not always sure that that equates to solitude. And, and I want you to kind of think on that as we go through this, because they're not mutually, they're not mutually exclusive, and yet they are. I know that doesn't make sense. Having your quiet time and your devotions should be done daily and regularly and perhaps more than once a day. Solitude is something that is different in that it is completely removing yourself from everything and everyone and just being with God. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention this and it'll come up again tonight as we do the prayer devotion. But this is something that we do in a very literal, physical way. But it is also something that with practice we learn to do no matter where we are or who we are around. So let me try to cover all of that this morning. In Matthew chapter six, verses five and six, I told you we'd look at prayer and the life of Jesus and his teaching a little bit this morning. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, and they, that they may be seen of men. I, I want to stop and say right here, there's something that I've found about praying that is true. I'm not fond of I mean, I'm fond of teaching, I'm fond of leading in prayer. I'm not fond of being the object of attention when I pray publicly. But we have developed a culture in church where when prayer is going on, most people aren't praying. They're giving their attention to the one who is praying. And I think you have to learn to do both because if we're, I'm getting sidetracked teaching about prayer a little bit here, but I, I think if we're praying corporately and I am leading in prayer, there's a sense in which I've been entrusted with the responsibility to help us all unite in what we're praying about. So you do need to listen with the, pray, the, the prayer leader, but you should also be in your heart agreeing in prayer and not just waiting till he's done. So just a side note, a little something extra. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. What a great promise. There's a place in Michigan, I've never been there, Uh, Some of you may have heard of this place. It's an island that sits between the upper and lower peninsulas in the state of, uh, in the Strait of Mackinac Mackinac, and I I think I'm saying that right. Never been there and uh, Michigan would probably not let me stay long. But it's called Mackinac Island and I read about this just the other day and I thought, boy, that's, that's a good illustration of what we're after here this morning. In 1898, the folks of Mackinac agreed to pass an ordinance in their little hamlet, their little village, that there would be no motorized vehicles allowed. You know that's about the time the the motor car's coming out, the horse-drawn carriage. I mean the, the, whatever they call that thing. Uh, They had all those names. The horseless carriage, yeah, thank you. But they passed this ordinance. They said, we're not gonna have motorized vehicles in our town. If people are gonna move around in our town, they're gonna go by foot, by bicycle, or by horse. Do you know that that, Ordinance is still in place today in 2020. If you go visit Mackinac Island, you don't have to worry about somebody down the street. Can you imagine the peace that that brings to that little town? It's like a four square mile island, and what a place of solitude and retreat that would be. I imagine they're pretty picky about who they let hang around, too. Uh, but they said, you know, not here. We want it quiet. We want it to be slower, as Brother Russell preached about last night. Well, the practice of solitude in our lives creates this sort of space for God to come to us and for us to draw nigh to Him. This is the the purpose of it all. And it's like Peter preached at Pentecost. He used this phrase that the times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. This is why we need the solitude. You you need a place that you can go to where everything else is shut out and you can have that time of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. I want to show you Mark chapter 1. I said I'd mention the prayer life of Jesus. Now as I read this, keep in mind, this is already after a very busy day of ministry. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. Now, I don't know if there's hyperbole in this or not, but the Bible says all the city was gathered at the door. What it, however you want to take it, it was a whole bunch of people. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. Jesus has been very busy all day, he is busy into the night, but watch the next verse. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. I would love to speak a while on the meaning of the solitary place, but just for sake of time, I would refer you back to a Sunday evening meditation two or three weeks ago about the desert place. This is what this word means, the solitary place. And there's something special about going into this type of place. He got by, away from everybody else, away from his labor, busyness. He got away from the disciples and he got alone with the Father. I think this is why they were saying last night, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus knew the necessity of time alone with the Father. And friends, if Jesus needed this kind of solitary place in his life, and and he needed this prayer closet, I know that I most certainly needed in my life. Solitude is the way in which we give God our undivided attention. Now, let's dig into that thought just a minute. I read a wonderful book. You're you're seeing me reference, by the way, throughout this conference a a few books. Some of them I've had for a long time, and some of them I got in preparation for the conference, just digging and searching out. Uh, This is a great little book I found at the Greensboro Public Library by accident. I guess by accident. I mean, I was just thumbing through the religion section. And I'd heard this guy's name mentioned before, Henry Nowen. I've already given you something from him this week. But look at this quote. It comes from a little book. It's like a sermon in a book is what it is. It doesn't take long to read. It's less than 100 pages, I think, called Making All Things New, an, in, an invitation to the spiritual life. I saw that. I said, I need to check this out and see what this is about. But look at what he says. We are usually surrounded by so much outer noise that it is hard to truly hear our God when he is speaking to us. We have often become deaf, unable to know when God calls us and unable to understand in which direction he calls us. To bring some solitude into our lives is one of the most necessary but also most difficult disciplines. Listen, here's where it gets interesting. As soon as we are alone, without people to talk with, books to read, TV to watch, or we'll update it, or cell phones to scroll, an inner chaos opens up in us. Do I need to expound on that? Right. Have you ever gone to your secret place and immediately been hit? And even if it wasn't immediate, within moments, minutes, be hit with this rush of faults, even ungodly ones? Yeah. Yeah. He says this chaos can be so disturbing and so confusing that we can hardly wait to get busy again. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Yeah. Now watch this. Entering a private room and shutting the door, therefore, does not mean that we immediately shut out all inner doubts, anxieties, fears, bad memories, unresolved conflicts, angry feelings, and impulsive desires. On the contrary, when we have removed our outer distractions, we often find that our inner distractions manifest themselves to us in full force. Why, God? Doesn't that make you want to say, Lord, I've come to be alone with you. Why would this happen? We often use these outer distractions to shield us from the interior noise. It is thus not surprising that we have a difficult time being alone. The confrontation with our inner conflicts can be too painful for us to endure. This makes the discipline of solitude all the more important. Case in point. When Jesus went into the wilderness for 40 days, you know what he went to do? Well, to quote the AP, Jesus did not go into the wilderness to lay back and sip his coconut doodads. That was Wednesday night Bible study, in case you didn't get it. He went to fight and wrestle and struggle and overcome. The reason this stuff happens in that solitude is because that is the place we will find we can actually deal with what's inside. We have a tendency to hide from it, to mask it, to medicate it, to ignore it. And therefore, many Christians are afraid of solitude. We don't mind the devotion time. We don't mind my quiet times. I might have the radio playing. I might have these books here. I might have, you know, my devotion time might be listening to Dr. Doolittle, you know, give his sermon of the day. That's all well and good. I don't have to deal with me. There's something about the solitude, and now you begin to see why it's so important to cultivating holiness. By the way, Now and in the book, he's intelligent and I'm just able to read well, which helps. But he says that the word absurd, he says we live absurd lives. But he said the word absurd in the Latin, the root meaning of it means, is the same word as death. Our absurd lives do not allow us to hear the voice of God. He says, but the the word listen, the root meaning, the root word of that has the meaning of obedience. And so, our absurd lives keep us from hearing, therefore we're not living obedient. But solitude will help us turn our absurd life into an obedient life. That's what I'm after. That's what God's after in me. So I want to offer you this, that singularity helps us cultivate purpose and separation. That is, we focus our heart on the kingdom of God. We focus our heart upon Christ. However, because the world doesn't disappear by morning... I'm going to, have to still have business to attend to. I've still got people to engage with. I've still got my own flesh to contend against. So I need help. So solitude is how we cultivate steadfastness. It's how we stay rooted in Christ. Or as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. If you understand this concept, you see what Paul is saying at a deeper level. Paul's not saying, praise the Lord, be it soul winning. I mean, that's going to happen. But what he's saying is, is in your soul, develop this steadfastness. This ability to stay, this ability to concentrate, this ability to not be taken out. A lot of folks get taken out. Daily solitude is kind of like a daily retreat where we escape from craziness. We have a chance to orient our heart back to God, and that is critical. It's a place of learning to stay and not flee from trouble. And again, one way this works is because solitude, just like in fasting, I think Brother Van Horn will agree, we encounter that inner turmoil. Fasting does that too, doesn't it? Brother Van Horn said yesterday you're going to get a headache. <laughs> You're going to get all this stuff hitting you like, I, you know, I just need to quit this. This is, I mean, I, I'm already over time. I, I, I love it. It's good to be the pastor and set a bad example for your guest. We, we were out yesterday, uh, fellowship some time, and we kind of turned away, honestly. I told the men when we got back, I said, it was kind of nice to divert from, I've had such an intense focus on this meeting. Yesterday we went out and we just hiked about a mile. Uh, up at Mount Pilot. Okay, Pilot Mountain. We'll <laughs> use the right term. And uh, we, uh, we, you know, just driving up and coming back, we laughed and cut up a little bit and talked about the Andy Griffith Show a lot. And uh, that was helpful. It really was. Uh, but I, I, I tell you something, I, I found out when I got back, boy, I really wanted to kind of get back away from that. I, I needed to get back into that mind of, of being with the Lord and, it's good to get the breaks, it's good to get those retreats, but we need to stay close to him. Uh, by the way, let's say this, i move on, I'm all over time, but do you know when Jesus went up into the wilderness and he, he fought, he struggled, he dealt with the turmoil, he was going to have to do it again. Because Luke 4.13 4, says that the, when the temptation ended, the devil departed from him for a season. You're going to have to deal with it again too. These are some really helpful verses from the Psalms that are on the slide. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Psalm 40 verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Uh, Psalm 4, 4, stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. So solitude brings in many aspects of conditioning in our life. Learning to wait in prayer. It can't be rushed. We talked about that a little bit last night. Learning to do the hard work of that inner battle with ourselves so that we can get better and be better at this thing of what Paul talked about when he said to put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Um, Many, many years ago, this attitude of godliness was, was called watchfulness. It was a term often used. To be watchful meant to do this very thing right here, to stay in that place of attention to the soul. And I want to just say this. Jesus says in Luke 21, 19, in the midst of describing the chaos that the disciples would face and frankly that we will face and Brother Charlie are facing as you described last night. And in Luke 21, 19, Jesus said, In your patience possess ye your souls. Again, I said something to this effect yesterday, but he has entrusted you with the authority, and through him the ability to maintain your soul. But he says, in your patience possess ye your soul. This word is huponome. Now, don't ask me to say that three times in a row. But it literally is the word patience that's used here. Very descriptive. It means cheerful endurance. There is a a misconception of, 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 of holiness that... That is out there, that when, you, when you're holy, when you practice fasting, when you're a prayerful person, when you like solitude, when you, your you're focus is on God all the time, that you are a somber... <sighs> that, that is not at all what Jesus taught. Right. And I am convinced it's not what he modeled. Hey. I'm convinced when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus' encounters and interactions with people, you see somebody who was very witty... Certainly super intelligent, but just connected to the heart of people. And uh, had a little fun with people. I I think it's there. But it's the same word in 2 Thessalonians 3, 5. The Lord directs your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. I got to give you this slide. Go ahead and throw this this next one up here. These verses. Let me just read these to you. Uh, 2 Peter 1, 3 and 6. Watch this. Watch how this works. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Watch this. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and the next one, and to patience. Godliness. You see, patience is the last step in the progression to true godliness. Patience. I I do think it probably means something about dealing with red lights. And I'll handle red lights better when I learn how to be cheerfully endurable in Jesus. So patience, we got to have it. Let me summarize. You don't believe me. Nothing prepares the heart for battle, for faithful service, for living charitably and graciously in the world and toward others. Nothing prepares us better than the practice of solitude. Again, let me show you a a statement from Brother Lawrence, uh, the practice of the presence of God. If you don't have this book, you need to get this book. This is a life-changing book. He says, what I sought after, which was nothing but how to become holy gods, this made me resolve to give the all for the all. I renounced for the love of Him everything that was not He. I made this my business as much all the day long as at the appointed times of prayer. For at all times, every hour, every minute, even in the height of my business, I drove away from my mind everything that was capable of interrupting my fault of God. Now, I want to tell you, this stuff was written after years and years of practicing the presence of God. If you've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, you may not have this down. If you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, you might be closer, but you may not have this down. But friends, if we will persist in this practice and in these spiritual disciplines, this will become our life. You read this book, you know he's not declaring himself to have reached this place of sinlessness. Not at all. He confesses so much about his failures. But what I love about it is even when he speaks of his failures, he says, they're nothing. Because I give them to God, I receive His forgiveness, I trust Him and believe Him. And I pick myself up and I keep going. My soul, how long does it take us to pick ourselves up sometimes after we mess up? Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? Just show you the screen slide, uh, I'm not going to you know, expound that, but there's three reasons it's so hard, friends. Our weak flesh, the alluring world, and an opposing enemy. It makes this hard, but we, but we stay at it. We stay at it. So I close with, some, with a word of encouragement from Thomas Kempis. This is another one you've seen, you're seeing me quote a lot. This book is fantastic. Uh, probably it was a Catholic who made this statement. I don't know, but they said next to the Bible itself, this is the most read book of devotion and spirituality in history. I don't know if that's true, but this is a phenomenal book. And and he says this, the kingdom of God... I I want to encourage you as we close this thought. The kingdom of God is within you, saith the Lord. Turn thee with all your heart to the Lord and forsake this miserable world and your soul will find rest. Learn to despise outward things and to give thyself to things inward. And thou shalt see the kingdom of God come within thee. For the kingdom of God is peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it is not given to the wicked... Christ will come to thee and show thee his consolation if thou prepare a worthy mansion for him within thee. All his glory and beauty are within your heart. It is there he delights. So yes, it's hard. But if you'll move toward him, he will move towards you. (laughs) That's his promise. Let us pray. Father, oh, I cannot contain... Uh, myself in these 10-minute blocks of time, and Lord, I pray that you would take charge of the rest of the morning, that we would accomplish the task, and I know we will. I believe that there's a setting forth of the things in order that need to be done here, but Lord, we just commit it to you, and as we enter into this day and we think much about solitude now, we're still remembering the, the thought of singularity. Lord, may these things begin and continue to form within our heart an understanding of holiness that will bring us to a new place of walking with you in in fullness of your life. I pray for Brother Van Horn and Brother Russell as they will be bringing the lessons today and encourage our hearts in the things of God we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.